Money FM 89.3, best of workday afternoon. The Soul of Business with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to the Solar Business on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. On the phone, I'm joined by Christopher Barros, Asia Director, California Wine Institute. We find out more about sustainably produced wines we here in Singapore can enjoy. Christopher, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Great to be with you. Thank you so much for talking to us. I know it's it's not exactly the best uh, time there with the time difference, so we really appreciate you being on the call. <laughs> No, no, it's my pleasure. Now, the California Wine Institute is a collective of more than a thousand California wineries and wine businesses. Could you give us an overview of what the collective would like to achieve? Sure. And, you know, I think it might be helpful to give a little bit of historical context. So we had an interesting little chapter in, in American history called Prohibition, where it was illegal to consume alcohol for 13 years, from 1920 to 1933. The California Wine Institute was created the next year in 1934. And part of the reason for it was to try to make some of the laws a little more favorable towards the industry. Because after Prohibition, all 50 states had different laws that governed the sale of alcohol. And so it began really as a way of trying to standardize some of these some of these state laws to make them favorable and, and also consistent state to state. But since then it's grown quite a bit. And the Institute gets involved in federal issues, uh, international public policy issues, regulatory kinds of compliance issues, state direct-to-consumer kinds of laws. So trying to make it possible, because in many states, historically, you couldn't actually send wine from one state to another. So trying to make those laws more favorable. And then where I come in and, and my colleagues is in the export program. We try to promote California wines internationally and, very importantly, trying to promote sustainability of winemaking. So we're a public policy organization is really what we are. Now, before we went live, we were talking a little bit, and I realized that perhaps we here in Singapore don't understand just how great the production is of wine or, or even just how great. California wines really are, because as you pointed out to me prior to going live, you don't actually export all that much of your wines. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about sure. California wines as a whole. So it's a it's a big industry. I mean, in the United States, the wine industry is very large. So the retail value in the United States is $43.6 billion. We export about $1.4 billion in wines. But if you put that in sort of a, a, the context of other wine-producing countries, take Australia or France or Chile, these countries really, really rely on exports. And if they don't export, they really can't survive as industries. Whereas in California, we, we definitely want to export. We want to export more. But a lot of the wine produced in California is consumed in the United States. So it's not as critical to some of the wineries in the same way that it would be to, say, Australia to export, where, where in those countries, exports are their lifeblood. So in the United States, it's a big industry. We are the fourth largest wine-producing area in the, in the world. If California was a separate country, we'd be the fourth largest. And that surprises a lot of people sometimes. They don't realize that California is such a large producer of wine. We produce over 120 varieties of wine grapes, grow very, very well throughout the state. Uh, because of our 
unique geography and, and proximity to the very, very cold Pacific Ocean. This sort of Mediterranean dry climate is perfect for growing wine grapes, and we have a very long, dry growing season. So that helps, and it produces very high-quality uh, fruit that makes great wine. Um, it tends to have a more fruity character to it. We don't have to worry about rain in September or even early October, where they do in some other parts of the world have to worry a little bit about rain, and, and you don't want to run into rain if you're getting close to harvest. So we, end it, we tend to get fruit that is physiologically completely ripe, and that leads to a more balanced and fruity character to the wine. So I said a lot there, but <laughs> I wanted to give you an overview. Oh, no, that was great. Now, basically, what you really need to do, you and your fellow countrymen, should let the rest of the world have more of your wine. Well, and that's what we're trying to do, and that's a big part of my job. As Asia director, we're in nine Asian countries, actually 10. I, I, I'm not responsible for, for Japan, but I'm, I'm responsible for the rest of Asia. Mm -hmm. And we're pushing, really, we're pushing really, really hard. And, you know, it's a very, very important region for California wines. I think if you look at the globe, I think Asia represents growth in a much greater sense than probably any other part of the world. And so, so each and every one of the Asian countries are important to us. Uh, you know, China obviously is very important and Hong Kong, but Singapore is very important. Philippines is, 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 is important as well. And Vietnam is going to be, I think, a, a significant player. Uh, I think it, it reminds me a lot of what China was 15 years ago. You know, the population is so young there and, and so on. So it's each, each one of the countries in Asia has a, a different and unique set of characteristics about it that make it really appealing. And so I'm, I'm very excited about what's going on in, in Asian markets. COVID has struck a you know, bad blow to everybody mm -hmm. and kind of slowed things down. We haven't been able to travel. Usually we do a lot of travel. But so we've pivoted and we've tried to do more um, in-country kinds of you know, activities and things that don't require as much travel as, as we're used to doing. Let's talk a little bit more about that um COVID-19 in 2020. Because of it, you, California Wines, launched a series of virtual programs, including the highly successful Behind the Wine series. Do you think programs like these, which give consumers a better understanding of what you do, develop a greater desire and appreciation for your wines? I really think they do. And that's not a silver lining, but that's, it's something that was born out of necessity and proved to be very, very effective. The Behind the Wines program hosted by Elaine Brown, who's really a world expert in California wines. And, and we ran a series of, she ran a series of interviews with different winemakers. And, and the response was remarkable. I mean, it was primarily people in the trade, but a lot of people, a lot of just consumers who were interested to learn and to really kind of get into the, you know, the details of the winemaker's thinking and his approach and his philosophy, because there really is a great variation amongst winemakers. And one thing I'd say about California in particular is it's a very collegial industry. People are willing to share information with one another in a way that uh, maybe some other areas in the world, they're a little more secretive, <laughs> a little more um, proprietary in their thinking. But I think here in California, people are really open. You know, they want to share their what they've learned and so on and so forth. And so, so a lot of that came through in the series. And I think it surprised some people about how open some of these winemakers were about what they do and how they go about it and so on and so forth. But that education really helps 
people understand wine. Because wine is one of those things. You know, wine is, you know, if you compare it to other kinds of alcoholic beverages, if you think about beer or spirits, wine and uh, beer and spirits drinkers tend to be very brand loyal. They tend to drink pretty much a similar kind of thing usually. But wine drinkers, are, very, by definition, are very different. You can't drink Pinot Noir every night. <laughs> you know, you can't drink Chardonnay every day. They're just by nature, they're, they want variety. They want to try different things all the time. And there has to be a certain curiosity. Often with wine drinkers, they're curious about where it came from, what vintage it was, what, you know, what grapes were used, how were they used, is there the blend, those kinds of questions. So by adding education into the mix, it really helps the consumer understand better what they're doing. Because, you know, wine, you can spend your whole life trying to learn about it and you won't know it all. And, but it's a door that should be open to you if you're interested in learning about wine, not a door that you have to sort of force open. It, either you want to learn about it or you don't want to learn about it. Either one is fine. But if you do want to learn about it, there's a lot to learn. And a lot of wine drinkers are curious to learn more. Right. Okay. Now we're speaking with Christopher Barros, Asia Director, California Wine Institute. Could you give us an insight into sustainable wine growing programs and how it differs from the way it used to be done? It's interesting about sustainability because actually the concepts of sustainability have been around for a long, long time. And I think probably in the late 1990s, a couple of the wine regions, and I think Lodi really was one of the reasons that took the lead on this, you know, started writing down some of these practices. And in 2002, the Wine Institute and the California Association of Wine Grape Growers published the first Code of Sustainable Wine Growing to introduce these best management practices in both the wineries and the vineyards throughout California. So that was in 2002. Then in 2010, they created a certification program so that you could be certified as a either a vineyard or a winery. And the certification program was rigorous with third-party verification. And it was a certification that would require adhering to you know, these best practices, there were like 140 vineyard best practices and 104 winery best practices. And that, that continued. And then in 2017, a logo was created, which was able to go on the bottle. And the idea was that if you were certified as a sustainable wine product, you could put a specific logo on the wine bottle that would say that you were from a sustainable winery. And that, that has now become something that consumers are interested in. You know, this was done in a sense because the thought was that it was good for the environment because, and we can get into exactly what the, all the sustainability issues are because they're, they're broad. But the fact of the matter is that the consumer now is starting to, to really be interested in this. And sustainability is very different than, say, organic or biodynamic, although those are sort of subsets in a sense mm -hmm. of what sustainability is about. Uh, but sustainability is, is, is broader than that. It's about, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, it's preserving everything in the entire ecosystem of, make, of growing wine grapes and making wine preserving everything for future generations. So you're not disrupting the environment. So it focuses on things like water management and soil management and energy management and efficiency and, you know, pesticide usage and using, you know, natural 
pests to combat other pests and using cover crops to maintain water in the soil. And But it also goes beyond that to community and relations with the community and relations with employees and so on. So it's a very sort of comprehensive and holistic way of looking at the activity of growing grapes and making wine. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that California has really taken a leadership role in this, especially when you consider that, you know, as the fourth largest producer of wine, it's a very, very big endeavor. You know, just the, for example, just Sonoma County, this the Sonoma County, which produces a lot of grapes, is roughly the size of New Zealand. <laughs> so, so that's just one, this is one area. And then when you add all the other areas, a lot of people know Napa, and Napa is a very famous region in California, but it produces only about 5%, actually less than 5% of California wine. So we, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of territory to cover. And the fact that we now have, you know, 54% of California wine grape acres are certified sustainable and 82% of wine is made in a certified winery. I think those are impressive statistics given the size, the overall size of, of the industry. That is impressive. Now, give us an education. We, I, I started by saying perhaps we don't know as much about California wines as we should. California has produced some highly collectible wines. An example that that came to me was uh, Screaming Eagle, Cabernet Sauvignon. But uh, for someone less familiar, where do we start? Give us some recommendations, Christopher. You're the expert. I would recommend, if people are interested, to start out, instead of starting out with, like, these iconic wines, Mm -hmm. which, you know, yes, there are a lot of iconic wines. France has a lot of iconic wines. A lot of countries have iconic wines. But instead of starting at that point, I would start experimenting and trying a lot of different California wines, trying to maybe first go after some Sauvignon Blancs and some Chardonnays, and then maybe move into some Pinot Noirs and some Cabernet Sauvignon Merlot, Zinfandel. Zinfandel is very California specific because that will give you kind of a base of education. And then depending on what you like, you can start drilling down and getting more into some of the details of these great varieties and start learning who some of the producers are because and maybe I'm imposing a little bit my own values too mm-hmm. much, but it seems to me that when, you, when you're when you just looking at iconic wines, it, it becomes very antiseptic if you don't have some context, if you don't have kind of a way of framing those wines. I'll give you an example. I had a wonderful bottle of a wine, uh, Zinfandel, A. Raffinelli, which is produced in Dry Creek in Sonoma County recently. And it was an old wine. It was a 90, 96 and I was a little worried, you know, is this wine going to be kind of past its prime? But it was, it was just amazing. It was, it was such a beautiful and well-developed wine. It was not over the hill or anything like that. And, I mean, people in the wine world know that wine, but it's not a wine that people talk about in terms of having a lot of intrinsic value, but it was such an amazing wine. So going back to what you were asking about, yeah, Screaming Eagle, you know, some of these wines like Screaming Eagle, some of the old vintages of Opus One, you know, the Stag's Leap Wine Cellar, some of those wines. Mm-hmm. You know, there are many wines that, that do have tremendous value and amazing scarcity, and a lot of people want them. And I think that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I would, again, recommend for people who are interested in really learning about California wine to start, kind of start at the beginning. Start with some good quality wines, different varieties, and develop a baseline of understanding and interest uh, and then see where it takes you. It's a journey. (laughs) All right. Now, before we let you go and we run out of time, 
Tell us about the certified sustainable label. How many California wines with this certification are currently available here in Singapore? Well, you know, I don't know the exact answer to that, but I will tell you this. Since 82% of California wine is made in a certified sustainable winery, which would have that label, you can assume that a large percentage of the wines available in Singapore are produced in a sustainable winery. I don't know the exact number, but I do know that there are you know, quite a few wines available there that you know, there would be like Deloche, Tablos Creek, Rodney Strong, Fremark Abbey, Ridge, Francis Ford Coppola, Fetzer, Silver Oak. I mean, there are a lot of brands that I know are available in Singapore that are also sustainable. I don't know the exact percentage, but it's got to be a high percentage. So definitely, we can all find something that we'll like. Well, yes, absolutely you can. And I, you know, I, I recommend people look for you know, sustainable wines, but I also recommend that they just look for California wines generally because there's, you know, one of the things about sustainability and the certification process is it's kind of rigorous. You know, there is a process that you have to go to. And some of the smaller wineries, some of the more boutique-ish, smaller, interesting wineries may not have the resources to go through the entire sustainability certification process, but I wouldn't discount them because of that. You know, it, it, some of them, it's just simply they, they don't have the resources to do it. But I would, I would encourage um, your listeners to try, you know, any California wine they can get their hands on. And Singapore is a great market for it. There are a lot of really good wines available in Singapore. So I'd recommend people go out and uh, see what they can get. And They're available at a lot of retailers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great. We've been speaking with Christopher Barros, Asia Director, California Wine Institute, about sustainably produced California wines. Christopher, thank you for the time. We appreciate the insight as well. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And everybody go out and drink some California wine. Uh, I think you're going to have a few new fans in a few hours from now. (laughs) I'm Clarissa Montero. It is my pleasure. I'm Clarissa Montero for the Workday Afternoon. You are with Money FM 89.3, Singapore's most influential radio station. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.